Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia! Hello, friends. Thank you for being here today. Welcome to Chickenlandia, and welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly Backyard Chickens Q&A 101 question and answer show. (laughs) That is a mouthful. (laughs) Um, If you are here on the live stream on YouTube, thank you so much for being here. If you are listening on my new podcast of the same name, Bok Talk, I'm so glad that you are listening. We just launched the podcast last week. The response has been great. There are actually like people listening to it, <laughs> which, you know, you never know when you, when you start something new, you never know. Is it, is it going to take off or is it just going to fall flat? But so far I have had listeners um, and that is absolutely thrilling. The podcast has been in the brain and in the works for over a year and Finally, with everything going on, I have suddenly found myself with a lot of time (laughs) to get things done. So we pulled it off and um, I'm so glad we did. So today we've got a few different topics. The number one topic that we are going to talk about is chickens in the city urban chicken keeping. I I have a video that I put out a while ago, like several months ago about keeping chickens in the city. And right now that video is getting a lot of traction because there's many, many people that really want to know if they can have chickens in the city right now for obvious reasons. So we're going to talk about that. I'm also going to talk about um, some predator proofing stuff. And then I'm going to talk about something that comes Uh, Something that I hear about a lot and a lot of chicken keepers will contact me and they really don't, you know, they just, they just want to know that they're doing enough. And so we're going to talk about that too. If you would like to submit a question for the next Bok Talk Live, the best way to do that is to go to my website, welcome to chickenlandia.com, go to the contact section, and then you're going to find a little drop down menu and it'll say, ask a chicken question. (laughs) You can go there and ask your question. I try to answer the questions that come up in the live chat, but sometimes I can't do it because as I always say, this is a one woman show on this end. I've got my wonderful moderators that help out, 
but I don't have anybody that's like putting questions in front of me. Um, so sometimes I will miss them. So the best way to get your question answered is to submit it through my website. Uh, I just want to say hello to some of the people that are here live in the chat. I have a 13 Moons Homestead. She is one of my amazing moderators. And if you haven't checked out her channel, go check her out. She's got some really exciting things going on. And if you're just getting into homesteading, I think it's a great channel to follow because um, she's really like a, just a gentle soul and it's very not judgmental. And she's kind of like learning as well as she's going. And so, and it's also an, a, a channel that's easy to watch. So <laughs> there's my pitch for 13 moons Go check out her channel. Uh, Brilliant Creatures, thank you so much for being here. Camp Canine Daycare, thank you so much for being here. I have uh, a question that I'm going to talk about uh, for you later on. Chloe Smith is here. Thank you for being here. So I hope you guys have been having a good week so far. We're only on Monday. So (laughs) hope you had a good holiday yesterday if you celebrate Easter Um, Easter is just one of my favorite holidays. It really just, especially right now, because there's so much uncertainty about the future. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I was, I posted about this on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter yesterday, but I have the tendency to just kind of like sit there and let the wheels turn, like, (laughs) Oh, you know what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And, and then it might go into, oh, these, all these really bad things are going to happen and nothing's ever going to be the same. And so I really have to keep that in check. And of course, one of the ways I keep that in check is by going out and being with my chickens and remembering that I'm in this moment. I'm not in this future scary moment that you know, doesn't exist. Um, and then the other thing that I love about Easter is that it's, it's about like life going on and rebirth. And that just brings me right back to chickens (laughs) because, you know, like as, as somebody that has some super duper old chickens, I've had lots of losses and I rescue. So that means I, I even have more losses on top of that. And I just always remember that in the spring there will be baby chicks again. And so right now more than ever, that's been helping me just to think about how, you know what, it's going to be okay. Life is going to go on. So there's my, my Easter thing for you. Uh, (laughs) So uh, speaking of chickens, I wanted to give you guys an update on my little rooster, Philippe. I, I get, he just, finished a two-week course of antibiotics and if you know anything about me you know that I do not do antibiotics lightly I very rarely use them Um, but I'm also not one of these people that's just like vehemently against using uh, standard medicine if it's needed so uh, he had come down with a respiratory thing and then I I went out to check on him and I realized that he had like this totally blocked nair. Now, this is my rooster, Philippe. He is 
by many people's standards, a terrible rooster. <laughs> if I bend down to change the chickens in the Dutch water, he attacks me. He bites me. Uh, it, it's, it's awful and it never ends. Every time I go into the chicken yard, he's there. Like, he's just like ready to throw down. He's going to sweep some legs <laughs> and, but he's a little guy. Um, and so, and I've had him since he was a baby and I put up with him and it turns out that I actually really love him because I've really been trying to you know, bring him back from this issue that he's having. But the problem is, is that, you know, I took him to the vet and he has this really, really blocked nair, likely from a chronic respiratory thing that he has had. And it is just not coming out without putting him uh, you know, under sedation, which I really don't want to do. So now I'm kind of, after two weeks of antibiotics, he's doing much better. And I'm also treating him homeopathically because I do use homeopathics. And I had a consultation with my homeopath and she told me what the best remedy for him would be. Um, and so I have been doing that and seeing a lot of improvement from that. Uh, so I'm just, I'm going to look here in just a second. I know there's a conversation going, so I'm going to, I'm going to look in just a second. I'm reading, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm reading the comments and sometimes people are just having these, these very detailed conversations and then, and then I have to catch up. So, um, I, I just don't know if I want to put him under sedation because, uh, which would mean that he would get, you know, some gas so that the vet can really get in there and try and get this mass out that we're assuming is either infection or just, you know, I, I, we don't, we really don't know. So chickens can very easily die from anesthesia. And that is what I'm very, you know, why I'm really reluctant to do it. And also he's back out with his flock. He's like happy for right now. I don't know how long he would have if I didn't go forward with, uh, trying to have this this mass removed, but I just don't know if I want to put him through that. So it's tough, and uh, you, we're faced with these choices all the time as chicken keepers, especially since we have limited resources as far as like even having veterinary care. Um, a lot of stuff we have to figure out on our own, and luckily there's a, a great chicken keeping community. It does have its issues at times where people are just like fighting and getting ridiculous about stuff. Um, but for the most part, people really try to help each other. So uh, that's what we're dealing with here. Um, and I will just keep you guys updated. It's it's tough because I, I made a video about how one of my chickens was trying to hatch out some of Philippe's eggs. And <laughs> so I had to like, go under the chicken house to try and get her out of there and get the eggs. And I, I like taped all of it or recorded all of it. And it was really funny. But now that Philippe is sick, I don't want to be like talking about how he is the spawn of Satan, <laughs> but he is. Okay. I am just going to go through and uh, see what's going on in the chat here. 
Okay, I see 13 Moons is helping out some people. Obviously, Oscar, one of my hands is wheezy and has been da- laying down a lot. Oh, that's that's not a good sign. Um, you know, I I would say veterinary care is really the best route to go if you can because there's any number of issues it could be with that kind of symptom and um but that sounds like a respiratory thing of course i'm i'm not a vet so i cannot diagnose um so take take everything i say with my little disclaimer disclaimer rolling <laughs> i am not a vet and uh, i'm not a homeopath all that good stuff you might want to check out my video uh ch- it's called chickens sneezing here's what to do And that will give you just some really simple things to do when you find that you have respiratory issues going on in your flock. It's not a diagnosis. It's not a, you know, it's not a cure for anything, but uh, it may help you. And and definitely while you're on the road to, to doing some research or perhaps getting some veterinary care, it will help you with the first steps that you can take to support your chicken and your flock um, when you have respiratory stuff going on. So check that out. And I hope that, um, that, that clears up. Lydia Fink says, I've got 25 chicks who are turning four weeks old this week. Congratulations. (laughs) They're little, uh, velociraptors right now. Little teenagers. Uh, Selena says that it sounds like Philippe needs some Valium. (laughs) He's not the only one. (laughs) Okay, so Chloe Smith has a question here. I have two hybrid hens, one cross bantam. I'd love to get two frizzle peckin chickens. So a peckin is like a uh, a cochin over in the UK. But her there on the low low on the pecking order and can get bullied. So would it be best to leave it? You know, it really it really depends on the individual chicken where they're going to be on the pecking order, um, in the pecking order, there's sometimes when you might have a, uh, there's sometimes what well, generally there are some breeds where you could say that more often than not, they are lower on the pecking order, but it really depends on the individual chicken. So I will tell you that I have Cochins and, I know that they're different, uh, you know, it's a different line and uh, than what you have in the UK, but I had one that she was, she was basically a bully. She was a frizzle <laughs> coach and she like ruled the coop for a while. And then she got really old and she turned into like the sweet grandma chicken. But um, for the majority of her life, she was not putting up with anything and she was certainly not low on the pecking order. So what I would do is go for it. That's what I would do. Now, now that is what I would do. <laughs> you got to do your research and do, you know, make sure that you're making the best choice for your flock. If you check out my video that is about integrating chickens, and I can't even remember the name right now, I'm going to put the link in the description and in the podcast notes. And I'll also do that with the chickens sneezing video. Um, Then you can just integrate them very slowly. And usually it works out just fine. And I've integrated like tiny bantams and I've got big chickens. 
Uh, that being said, it always depends on the personality of your flock. So there are some flocks that they just will not accept new chickens. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. So always have a plan, uh, you know, in case you need to go a different direction with it. Oh, Pekin. Pekin. I'm, I'm, pronouncing, I'm pronouncing it wrong. Sorry about that. Trying to, I'm trying to court the UK crowd. I'm not going to do it if I if I'm mispronouncing <laughs> their favorite chicken's name. <laughs> Homesteading the hard way. Thank you so much for being here. They said most vets around here won't treat chickens, and that's true. That uh, a lot of vets will not treat chickens. But it, sometimes, if you can find a vet that will treat uh, exotic birds, they might be willing to consult you on a chicken. Swampy Acres, Swampy Acres Homestead, thank you for being here. Um, and so, uh, oh, Meadowview Little Chicken Farm says, I just got chickens. Yay! Congratulations for you. You are on a, a wonderful adventure and your life is going to change. <laughs> I just love it. But I'm going to get right into the first question that I received via my website, welcome to chickenlandia.com. There's a contact section. You press it. You do the little scroll down menu. It says, ask a chicken question. That is how you can make sure that your question gets answered as long as it's on, is it, as long as it's on topic, because I may get some weird questions. <laughs> um, so that's how you can submit a question for my next Bok Talk Live. Um, but this one is from Ramona, and she asks, are there, is there anything special I should know about raising chickens in the city? I love this question. Um, for those of you that don't know, I am basically in the city. I'm, I'm technically in the county be, uh, because I'm in the county. I'm technically in the county. I'm physically in the county. But I'm literally like maybe like a block or two outside the city limits. And I live in a subdivision. So uh, this area that I live in was actually supposed to be to have an HOA, but it never developed because I, for whatever reason, just the way the way it went down. We moved here um, right when the stock market crashed. I believe it was 2006. And so, you know, the neighborhood didn't it was a new neighborhood and all of a sudden nobody was buying houses. <laughs> so the. um so the HOA didn't develop, thank goodness, because I have chickens, I have roosters. My neighbors are absolute saints. Um, and then I heard yesterday, there's another rooster that lives up the street. So I was like, oh, that's so cute. And I think it's a little guy because you can hear him. He's like, <laughs> or he's a baby. He might be a baby rooster, which is adorable. So I, I feel like I basically... I, you know, have an urban chicken keeping thing going on here. Um, I have a small space that I, you know, a relatively small space where I keep my chickens. And so I love to help people get set up in smaller spaces. Um, and there are a few things that I want you to think about if you are considering getting chickens and you live in the city. The number one thing that you need to think about is what the laws are where you live. So even if you live in a city where you're allowed to have chickens, 
it may be that you're only allowed to have a certain number of chickens. It also may be that you can have hens, but you can't have roosters. And there may be laws regarding how close your coop can be to your neighbors and how you can keep them housed. Also, you could live in a place where you can have chickens, but if you live in a neighborhood that has an HOA, that HOA may have laws that say you cannot have chickens. So it's super important for you to know that before you jump into it. I know it's awful when somebody can't have chickens, but I would suggest to you, you know, if you if you can't do it, you probably shouldn't. You know, like if you're not supposed to, you probably shouldn't because um, sometimes it can be pretty heartbreaking for people when they kind of jump into it and they fall in love with their chickens and then all of a sudden they have to give them away. So um, that is something very important to keep in mind. The other thing that I want you to think about is how much space you have and how many chickens you can have, uh, you know, according to how much space you have. Now, I do have a video that I put out just a few weeks ago called How Much Space Do Chickens Need? And I'm going to leave that in the link in the description and in the podcast notes so you can find that there. Um, and I usually what people find is that unless they're on a really super small lot, they can pull it off. And like I said, always know what the laws are first. But I think that, you know, we have this vision that, well, if I'm going to keep chickens and they really should be on pasture and they should be free ranging. But I will tell you, you know, my chickens are not on pasture and they're not free ranging. And I, I think they're pretty happy chickens. And when I think about where most chickens live the entirety of their life, I think that it's good. The more people that will keep chickens on their lots, even if the chickens are in a smaller space, the better. Because, you know, you're not going to be keeping chickens in a in a space this big. And if you're listening to the podcast, I'm kind of with my hands illustrating the ridiculously small space that factory farm birds live in. It's it's absolutely just criminal the way that most chickens are raised. So if you look at it with that perspective, then it's kind of like, oh, you know, I do have enough space. So generally, I would say inside the coop, depending on the environment and the video that I, I recommended to you has goes into more detail, but depending on the environment that you have for them, um, two to four uh, square feet per standard size hen inside the coop. And then run space, you're going to want about 10 square feet per standard size hen. Um, and you will be golden. And, you know, your chickens will be just fine. And you can do things to keep them entertained. You can hang up a cabbage. You can get get them a chicken swing. <laughs> I don't really know if they like that. Get them a xylophone. <laughs> they probably won't play it. Um, <laughs> just, uh, you know, you can put more perches in there for them to play on and dust baths. And, and there's any number of things that you can do. Um, and your chickens are going to be just fine. You really want to pay attention if you're in the city um, about or you want to keep in mind that you can end up with a rodent problem if you're not careful. And that can affect not only your home, but your neighbor's home. So we don't want that. 
what I do is I put my, I only feed the chickens as much feed as they're going to eat by early afternoon. And then they spend the afternoon clucking and pecking and scratching for bugs. And they do just fine with that. If it's the winter, I'll give them a little snack before they go to bed. But for the most part, they just get what they can eat by early afternoon. And then their food is like put away. And I have a a, a very secure can that I keep their food in that rodents cannot get into. So the the your best course of action with rodents is to, if you can think about it in terms of when you're predator proofing, that is great. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in a minute. But also don't give them a reason to come around. Um, if there's grain on the floor, if there's scraps around, they're going to come around. Um, the unfortunate part about that is that there's certain ways where you can raise chickens and they can, uh, that is very sustainable as opposed to giving them chicken feed. There's some people that if they have a little bit more space, they can do more of a permaculture kind of thing where they are feeding the chickens compost and maybe a little bit of grain. And, but when you have more space, you don't have to worry quite as much about how what you are doing could possibly affect your neighbors. Um, and also when you, the less that you disturb the natural order of things like the predator population where you live, the less of an issue you will have with rodents because the predators are there to take care of the rodents. Um, that's, that's what they do. So, but in the city, it's a little bit harder. So that's what I do to make sure that I'm not like getting a whole bunch of rats and having that affect the neighbors. A lot of people feel like if they live in the city, they don't have to worry about predators because, you know, they're in the city. Well, the critters, the critters come out at night <laughs> and sometimes in the day. Um, raccoons, skunks, uh, certainly rats, even birds of prey. I, I've had a, a hawk come a couple of years ago. A hawk came and tried to take my my chicken little stinker and and Philippe bravely you know kept actually I think it was like a year ago Philippe uh, bravely fought that hawk off and and uh but I mean it was it was an ornery little thing it I ran out there with a broom and and a dustpan because <laughs> that's all I had and I was like get out of here my neighbors must have thought I was crazy and this hawk he just like sat in the tree and was like, I'm not going anywhere. It was a young Cooper's hawk. And I had never had a problem here. And I thought, you know, since I'm in a subdivision, there's like dogs around and everything. I'm not going to have to deal with flying predators. Well, once they find out where you are, that's, that's it. You know, that they know where the buffet is. They're going to keep coming back. So at that point I had to put netting over the chicken yard. And there are times when even raccoons will come during the day. Right now is one of those times. It's early spring. Raccoons have, or it's not even, is it still early spring? <laughs> I don't even know. What day is it? <laughs> All, everything's running together. But right now uh, there are raccoons that have babies and they need to feed their babies or they're nursing their babies and they're more desperate than normal. So during these times is when they will come out during the day. 
So it's a it's a battle. Um, I do have two videos. They both have very silly intros, <laughs> but lots of good information. Um, how to predator proof your coop and run. And then there's like a deadliest mistakes, how to predator proof your coop and run. And um, I also have a video called keeping chickens uh, in the city or urban chicken keeping, keeping chickens in the city. And that talks also about predator proofing. So um, lots of good tips there. Certainly something that you need to think about. And um, I'll put those links in the description and in the podcast notes. So before we move on to my next question, I am going to just check out the chat here. I've got a lot of activity going on. Brilliant Creature says, I'm hoping the pecking order will change which, once I get chicks because I have a hen named Bear who seems to attack the lowest hen whenever I hold her. Oh, yeah. You know, it's so silly. It, it is their nature. So um, Barb asked a question. Barb, I'm not even going to try to say your last name because um, I'm going to destroy it. <laughs> we bought a secondhand chicken coop from a lovely family, brought it home and set it up. How fun. The girls are out there enjoying their new life. My husband started building a run for them. The run is framed out and we are now deciding on what is best for the walls uh, and the room. I was wondering if you could share what you use for the roof of your coop. Okay. Uh, and, and she says, I know it's not a roof. It looks like some type of, of netting. So, um, and then you had mentioned that you're using hardwire cloth. Uh, the smaller the gauge, the better. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit more expensive, but it, the smaller the gauge, then the more critters it will keep out. There are critters that can really get through small spaces. I mean, even like weasels can really get through small spaces. Of course, rats can get through really small spaces that you would be surprised. And then even raccoons will literally reach through chicken wire to grab a chicken piece by piece. <laughs> it's not good. Um, so the smaller, uh, you know, the smaller the hole, the better. That will be the best thing that you can do. As far as the netting that I'm using, it is very strong netting that I bought on Amazon. It is absolutely horrible to deal with. <laughs> I had my friend Julie and um, her wife, Chris, come and put up this netting for me and we thought it was going to be this easy thing. And it was just, I mean, they had such a hard time. I felt, I felt really bad because it was really difficult to deal with this netting, but it was worth it because it's really, really strong netting. I can't remember off the top of my head, the name of the, of the company that makes it, but it's, I bought it off Amazon and I will put that link in the podcast notes and in the description. Um, and you know, if you're watching this replay and it is Monday night, I, I give me a little time. It might take me a little time to get all these links on there. Um, but another thing that people do here is there, we have a Marina here. Bellingham is, you know, right off of Puget Sound. So we have this Marina and the fishermen go and they dump their, damaged netting it may just have a few tears in it in this specific spot near where the dumpsters are 
And they put it there, they put it beside the dumpsters because they know that people like to come and get that netting because uh, fishing netting is really, really strong netting. So uh, way back when I had actually gone and got some of this netting and that's what I used initially over my run and it worked great. So if you get creative, maybe you're in like a, uh, you know, everything free Facebook group or something like that. Um, you can find good netting. There is really, really weak netting. And I, I just wouldn't recommend that because it really isn't going to do much other than it should keep aerial predators out during the day. Um, but it, it might not keep stronger critters out and it might, it just might not last very long. It'll fall down or disintegrate or just, you know, the first time it snows, it just falls. So, um, that's something to keep in mind, but, um, you know, sometimes we have to get creative to make things affordable. So I wanted to talk a minute, hold on. I'm going to check the chat again, really quick. Homesteading the hard way says, LOL, my chickens eat the mice. (laughs) Yeah, they will eat mice. Rats are another story. Sometimes they, you know, rats are, can get pretty big. New follower just saying hi after 50 years decided to have chicks again. Yay! How wonderful. Bought three Australorp and ordered three Brahmas, which will arrive soon. Totally in love with my girls. That is great. Carmen A. asked, this might be a silly question, but how do you know when a chicken is sick? Chickens are almost always moving in in some way, even when they're standing still, somehow they're kind of still moving, you know, (laughs) and you you see them like they're pecking and scratching, moving around. Um, They're very spry. If you see a chicken that is in the corner, droopy wings, just not interested in its surroundings, that chicken is very sick. Um, because chickens will hide their illness very well. They do not want the flock to know that they are a weak member because at that point the the flock could attack that chicken because the flock really just looks at everything from a flock dynamic viewpoint, like what is best for the flock. If there's a weak link, we need to get rid of that. You are the weakest weakest link. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, it's pretty obvious when you have a sick chicken. Now it's good to every once in a while, just go out and, you know, make sure you're checking out your chickens. You might want to check them for mites occasionally, especially in the fall and springtime, because sometimes once the winter is over, the mites will come out of their little hibernation and, uh, you know, wreak havoc. You know, the color of their comb can also be a good indication. If their comb is pale or shrivelly, then they they may not be doing well. So it's a good idea to give them a, a once-over occasionally just to make sure that they're doing well, that they have a good weight. But it's usually pretty easy to tell if they are not feeling well. Uh, 13 Moons Homestead asks, will chickens eat baby snakes? They will. <laughs> So before we go today, I just want to give a shout out to my friend Tony, whose uh, chicken died last night, uh, overnight. And I felt bad because she had sent me a 
a message that was like, hey, you know, my chicken is sick and I'm not sure if I'm doing enough. And really like a lot of messages I get because people know that I'm not a veterinarian, that I can't, you know, say absolutely what you should do in most cases because there's so many chicken illnesses that take on the same symptom pictures that, uh, you know, first of all, it would be irresponsible of me to try and say, okay, well, it's, it is this, um, when I'm not a veterinarian and I could very well be very wrong, uh, doing that. So I don't, I don't want to do that. And most people understand that, but most of the messages that I get when people have a sick chicken is like, I'm doing, am I doing enough? I just want to tell all of you out there that yes, you are absolutely doing enough. And certainly my friend, Tony, who rescues chickens, and that's a big part of her chicken keeping journey is, is helping chickens that otherwise would not even be alive or would be having a terrible life um, if it weren't for what they do. So you know, it's so unfortunate because chickens can't tell us what's wrong. And even vets, you know, I have a a chicken vet and I can't think of one time where I went to a chicken vet and they said, this is exactly what's wrong. Most of the time they were like, well, I think this is what's wrong. Now, if it was like egg bound, then they would be able to tell that pretty quickly. But a lot of times it's just like this guessing game and they can't tell us what's really going on. So, what I think of, because I, I have lost a lot of chickens, um, where I always go is the fact that these are chickens that otherwise, you know, they could be living in factory farms, but they're living here in Chickenlandia and they're greatly loved. And, um, that right there is enough. So to all of my wonderful chicken friends out there who are wondering if they do enough, Um, yes, you are. And, uh, on that note, I want to say that I am so glad that you guys have joined me today. And I'm so pleased about all the people that are listening to the podcast. If you have a chicken question that you want to submit for the next Bok Talk, please go to my website, welcome to chickenlandia.com. Go to the contact section There's a little drop-down menu. It's going to say, ask a chicken question. And just go there and ask your question. Ask away, and I will get it. Um, Right now, I'm not getting that many questions. At some point, it might be that I get so many questions that I have to be pretty selective. But right now, I don't get that many questions, so I'm trying to answer all of them. Um, And I would love to hear from you. Camp Canine Daycare is actually Tony, who I'm talking about right now. And... uh, She just said, thank you. So uh, you are so welcome. And thank you for taking such good care of your chickens. So thanks guys so much. We will see you next time. Two weeks. Same Chickenlandia time. Same Chickenlandia place. (laughs) Have a great week. Goodbye. Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit welcometochickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bok